in your Bibles tonight to the book of James, to chapter 4. And if you don't have a Bible tonight, well, then it's your lucky night because we have Bibles. If you don't have a Bible tonight, I want you to raise your hand, raise it high because I got some Bibles for you. And maybe if you speak Spanish, you need a Bible. I have some Bibles in Spanish as well. So if you need a Bible in Spanish, I have those as well. And the ushers will see that you get one tonight because how many know that it's good to have a copy of God's Word? Amen. It's always good to have a copy of God's Word. I got God's Word everywhere. I mean, I got them in my car. I got them, in, I got them everywhere. I got them in the bathroom. I got them over in my, you know, my lounging area. My house. I got them everywhere. So it's always good to have an extra Bible, amen, because you never know when you're going to need one because sometimes circumstances come and you might not have the one that you carry to church with you, but if you have another one handy, amen, it's good to have God's Word because you never know when you're going to need God's Word. And I guarantee you that you probably need God's Word all day long. At some point or another during the day, you need a word from God to help you through a situation or a circumstance that's going on. So it's always good to have an extra Bible. Praise the Lord. Is everybody there? Yeah. All right. We're going to go ahead and we're going to start reading. We're going to read, we're going to read the whole chapter. Amen. So read along with me. And the Bible says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire what you do not have. So you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace, and that is why Scripture said, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail, and change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Let me read that one again. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you and I praise you for the opportunity just to share your word tonight. And Lord, I just ask that you would help me to speak it just the way you gave it. I would add, and I would not t uh, take anything away from it, Lord. It would just be you speaking to your people tonight, not me. That they would hear the voice behind the voice. It would fall on good soil. And that when people leave this place tonight, they would have something they can go home and chew on tonight. And they can chew on it all week long. And it would help them in their Christian walk. It would help them on this journey that we are all on together. And Father, tonight I give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, like I said, we've been reading through the book of James. And we've been going through chapter by chapter, and we've been teaching on this book, and we've been learning a lot. You guys have been learning a lot? Yeah. Praise the Lord. You guys have been learning a lot? Yeah. All right. 
Well, in chapter 1, we read that the word is not just to be preached, but it's to be heard and lived out in our lives. Remember chapter 1? Well, how do we live it out, and how do we do those kinds of things? Well, pastor shared that it starts with receiving the word. First, we have to receive the word. And then she said that we have to read the word. Amen. That's why you need a Bible, so we could read the word. And then it talked about reviewing the word, reading it again, remembering the word, med- uh, meditating on it, memorizing the word. And then again, it was responding to the word. We have to respond when the word comes. Amen. And then in chapter 2, we look, Brother Will spoke about faith and proving your faith through actions or works. And he said that faith alone is not enough and that works alone is not enough. And then we also learned that faith must be coupled with works. It takes two. You can't have one without the other. Faith alone isn't going to do it. Amen? Works alone isn't going to do it. you got to have both of them. And then in chapter 3, we learned about WMDs. You guys remember that one? Oh, come on now. WMDs, that stands for Weapons of Mass Destruction. And Pastor talked about that little, I think it was a three-ounce WMD, which we call the tongue. Amen. Some of us have, I think some of our tongues might be a little bit bigger than three ounces. I'm just talking about myself. You see, our, and, and she brought this out. She says that our tongues have the ability to, to cause serious, unrepairable damage in other people's lives and the, the relationships that we have. Praise the Lord. But whatever it is that is in our hearts will come out of our mouth. If it's in here, it's going to come out here. Now, tonight we're going to read through chapter 4 of James, and we're gonna, I'm going to pull a couple things out that I think is very, very important for us um, on this journey that we're all on together. Are you guys ready? Yeah. All right. Praise God. Well, we just read chapter 4. Now, the first thing that we, we see here in chapter 4, James begins to talk about something that I think we're all very familiar with. He talked about conflict, right? He talked about conflict. Anybody here familiar with conflict, fighting, quarrels? If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. But how you know marriage is a beautiful thing? Yeah. It's not all about conflict and fights. So don't, I don't want to scare anybody. Anybody that's planning on getting married, I don't want to scare you. Praise the Lord, it's just a part of marriage. But see, in the world that we're in today, we, we know all too well about fighting. We all know too well about conflict. Even if, like Pastor says, all she's watching right now is the news. So she, she probably sees it all day long. All day long you see what's happening over in the Middle East. You see, even here in our own, our own neck of the woods, even in our own country, um, our own government, the, the politicians, they're fighting. They're, you know, there's conflict going on with them. There's things happening in our jobs. There's things happening in the schools. How many know there's a lot of stuff happening in the schools right now? I don't know if you know, right across the street, there's a lot of things that have been happening. There's been some shootings and there's some things that have been going on these last few months. There's a lot of conflict, and we know all too well what conflict is all about. And yes, even here in the church, there's conflict even here in the church. But see, we've come so familiar with, with conflict and fighting and quarreling that uh, a lot of people today, they'll pay good money to see a good fight. They will, right, Pastor? We'll pay some good money to go see a good fight. I'm not just talking about boxing, and that, you know, because a lot of people don't say that that's, that's not, you know, real, that's, that's just a boxing. It's not that bad. But how many know that uh, some of us will pay good money to get the ultimate fighter, right? How many of you guys like watch ultimate fighting? Hey, nobody raised their hand. They're like, guys, everybody kind of looked around. <laughs> come on, it's okay. I mean, come on. It's all right. Right? I mean, we'll pay good money for that pay-per-view. We know it's coming up. We're like, oh, man, I got to go get me the box, and I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to have everybody over, and we're going to watch these guys slug it out until, you know, that guy is like an inch within his life. And people, we're, we're used to that. That's become commonplace now. Some of us will even pay big money and go watch it live. You know, we want, we, we, want, we want the blood to get splattered on us and the guy's spit to come out of his mouth and, and land on us. We're like, oh, man, I was right there in the front, man. The blood got all over me, man. It was great. You know, it's like, are you serious? 
Why would you want some other guy's blood and spit on you and be excited about it? But that's the world that we live in. Those are the things that go on in our world where that kind of stuff is, is very familiar to us right now. And that, that's not really a good thing. But see, tonight, um, James is saying, talking about something a little bit different. See, uh, in this chapter, James reveals us, he's revealing to us some insights to the question that he has. And the very first question they asked was, what causes fights and quarrels among you? That was the very first question. And here he reveals something. And the first thing that he reveals is the source. He reveals the source of the fighting and the quarrels and the things that are happening. And it says here, the source of it is in the second part of verse 1. It says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You notice that there was two references there to you, right? It says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Amen. See, James points the finger at our own desires, your desires and my desires. Now, he's not talking about regular desires like I desire to get married one day or I desire to get a new car or I desire one day to own my own home. He's not talking about those kinds of desires because those are good things. But see, one scholar said this, that a man allows himself to desire something and then that thing begins to dominate his thoughts. He finds himself thinking about it while he's awake. He finds himself dreaming about it when he's asleep. And then it becomes a ruling passion within his life. Eventually, this passionate desire blazes into action and then terrible steps to obtain it. And I was reading when I read that, I read that, that, that quote from uh, the scholar, and it, it went on to say a little bit more about how after we begin to think about this thing, this, this desire that we have that begins to blaze into certain actions in our lives, and then pretty soon we begin to scheme and we begin to make things happen so that we can get this thing that we want, this thing that we desire. And then he even went on to talk about murdering and killing. And, and I was like, wow, that's pretty heavy. And then the Roman orator Cicero said this. It says that it is unsatiable desires which overturn not only an individual man, but whole families. From desires spring hatred, discord, seditions, and wars. Hmm. Not just one man. Not just, our desires don't just affect us. Our sinful desires and the things that we desire that, are, are, that don't give glory to God and don't give God uh, uh, praise, those things don't just affect us. They affect our whole families. They affect the people that are around us. They affect every relationship that we have. You see, desire is just like raw energy, if you can picture that. Desire is like raw energy, especially passionate desire. There's a difference. And that raw energy can be good and it can be beneficial. But for a lot of us, I'm, I'll talk about myself tonight, it can cause great damage. Because I know I had a lot of desires when I was in the world. I had a lot of things that I wanted. And like I was sharing just a second ago, I would do a lot of different things and I would make things happen. I would, you know, I would scheme and I would do things to get what I wanted. And it caused a lot of damage. And my wife can attest to it. If you, if you want, you can talk to her after the service. She'll tell you. I did a lot of damage with my desires. It didn't just affect me. It affected my wife, it affected my kids, it affected everybody that I, I was associated with. My, my in-laws, man, they hated me. My in-laws hated me. But give God glory that they don't hate me anymore, amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now they let me come over the house and, you know, I even got a key to the house. You give God some praise for that. <laughs> Hallelujah. They didn't even ask for it back. They know I have it. <laughs> They, they know, I mean, one time, because we stayed over there one time, they said, oh, here's the key, you know, watch the house while we're gone, okay, and then they came back, and they didn't ask me for the key back. 
I was like, oh, praise God. All right. But that's only God. Amen. But see, desire can act like a fire. When it's controlled, it can be used for good and it can be used for positive results. How many of you guys ever heard of a controlled burn? A controlled burn. If you've ever, kind of, you ever grown up out in the, in the country, well, maybe not even really the country, but maybe if you've grown out in the valley, and maybe sometimes you've seen like these little piles of, of garbage and stuff just burning in the middle of nowhere, out in the middle of the fields, right? Have you ever, ever seen anything like that? Well, that's what they call a controlled burn. And what happens is they get all their, their brush, their you know, uh, dry wood or anything that's on their land that can cause a fire. What they do is they get it all together and they put it in a pile. And then what they do is they set it on fire, but they control it. Amen. And what it does is it gets rid of all that stuff. It burns it all up. But what it does is it doesn't affect anything around it. It's just right there. It's controlled. It's centralized. And that's what a controlled burn is. And that's what desire can be. If you control it, you can centralize it. You can use it. And it can be very beneficial. Because what happens is when something like that, when a controlled burn gets out of control, what happens? It can devastate. How many of you guys saw the fires that were down in L.A.? The past, these past years. Man, a lot of people lost their homes. I mean, many, many people lost their homes. Million-dollar homes. See, but a fire that is out of control, it can destroy, it can devastate, and it can even kill. Many people lost their lives. Now, the desire that usually burns out of control and causes conflicts is selfish desire. Like I said, it's not those desires for, you know, cars and, well, I won't say that. It's not the desires for those things that are, that are good, that are beneficial for us. You know, we want, we want good relationships with people. You know, we want a better job. We want to get a raise. And these are all desires, but that's not the, those are not selfish desires. I'm talking about selfish desires. You guys know what I'm talking about tonight, right? Selfish desires. You guys are looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Come on now. You guys know what I'm talking about. Selfish desires, things that are for us, things that make it all about me. And forget about everybody else. Forget about God but it's all about me. Those are the desires that I'm talking about tonight. Now, you see that the fight that we're talking about and that James was talking about is the fight that is between the carnal nature of every Christian and his evil desires and passions and desire for pleasure and the spirit of God who dwells within him. That's the fight that's going on. That's the fight. In Galatians 5, 16 and 17, the Bible says this, So I say, live by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desire of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. And they are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. See, right here, there, there's a thing going on inside of us, something on the inside. It's that the writer says here in, in the Bible that it, it does, it, they're fighting, they're in conflict. One is against the other. One is for the flesh, for this. The other is for the spirit, which is this. And they're fighting against each other because they both want to do what they want to do. It's kind of like two kids, right? One wants to do this and one wants to do that. So they're fighting. No, me. No, I want to do it. No, I want to do it. But they all want their own way. Any parents in the house tonight? You know what I'm talking about. You see, even the great men that are in the Bible, such as Paul, had to deal with this internal struggle. And if you look at the book of Romans, in chapter 7, there's a very, very familiar portion of Scripture. And when I was in the home, we referred to this Scripture as the doo-doo verse. The doo-doo verse. It's okay. The doo-doo verse. And you'll see in a second why they call it the doo-doo verse. So bear with me. So I'm going to turn my Bible there. And if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn. There's a little bit of scripture here, but because it says a lot. Romans chapter 7. I'm going to read chap 
verses 14 down to 20. It says this. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. The doo-doo verse. <laughs> now, you know why they call it the doo-doo verse. Amen. But see, this is a struggle that's going on within each and every one of us, just like Paul was saying. He struggled with this. All those things that we want to do. When a situation comes or, or a circumstance happens in our lives, we have that opportunity to make a decision. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are you going to do when that thing happens? When, when maybe when a, a death in the family comes or maybe a financial struggle comes into your life, God gives you an opportunity to make a decision. What are you going to do? And usually the first thing that comes to our, 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 you know, our mind, well, not everybody, but most of the time when, when it happens to me, when a situation happens in my life, the first thing that comes to my mind is always the right thing. No, that's just me. I always want to do the right thing first, right? I always say, oh, yeah, that's the right thing to do. That's the first thing that comes to my mind is the right thing, you know, the godly thing, the, the holy thing, the righteous thing. And then in comes the sinful nature, right? In comes the flesh. Then the flesh begins to speak to me. It says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Slow down, brother. Hold on. You know, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I'm going to be a little transparent right now. I didn't ask my wife if I could do this, Will, but anyways, um, <sighs> hope she won't get mad. But anyways, we had just, I, everybody know I got in a car accident, correct? You guys remember, you guys, you guys see my car, I got bumped in the back. And well, anyways, the insurance company paid us some, out some money for the repairs for our car. And it was a certain amount of money. And, you know, it was kind of like, okay, well, that's, that's not my money. The money came, but I actually found somebody that's going to do the work cheaper. They said, well, you know, this insurance company said, this is the damages to your car. This is how much it's going to cost to fix it. Here's the money. I said, okay, thank you. <laughs> took the money. Took the money. You know, and, I, and they said, well, you could either have us do the work for you, and we'll keep the check, or you can take it and have it fixed anywhere you want. And I was like, oh, okay. And it didn't really dawn on me until, like, the next day. I was like, oh, wait a minute. So if I can find someone to do this job cheaper, then I can keep some of that money. Right? That's what I'm saying. I said, okay. You know? They told me it was okay, and I was like, okay, that's, well, that's what I'll do. So what I did was I found something to do it cheaper. And now here comes the doo-doo verse into my life. Now, what are you going to do with that money? Here's the money to fix the car, but what about that money that you're keeping? Now, that's, now that belongs to you, because now you're keeping it. That other money you probably never would have saw in the first place. But now you have this money, what are you going to do with it? And I said, Wow. You know, because first I was like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this, <laughs> right? You know, you start thinking about all these different things you want to do with it. But then the doo-doo verse came in, <laughs> right? The doo-doo verse came in, and I was like, no, 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 I got I to gotta do the right thing. The right thing is what? I got to give God what belongs to him, right? I got to give it to him first. I got to say, oh, man, before anything, God gets his. So I got to give it to God. 
you know, it was easy. I could have, I could have made, I could have got someone to do it really cheap. I could have, you know, I could have took it around the neighborhood and found someone to do it really, really cheap. <laughs> but, you know, I was, I was happy with the, with the other estimate that I got. But just, but th I just use this illustration just to say that, you know, those are simple things, right? It doesn't sound very, you know, very like a hard decision, but it is, because that was that was a decision that, you know, reveals my character. I could have said, oh, I'm just going to keep that money. I'm going to put it in my pocket, and you know what? You know, thank you, Jesus. And, you know, and, and go about my merry way, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be blessed. That money would not have been blessed. You know, I would have, I would actually just put a curse on myself. I would have just cursed my finances right there. But see, I, I had an opportunity. God gave me an opportunity to do something. He said, okay, what are you going to do? You could do this or you could do that. You could do what you want to do or you can do what you know you need to do. And we all got to make those decisions in our lives. <coughs> Excuse me. But you see, passion, passionate desires are not always bad. It's good. Passion is good. Desire is good. And last night, Pastor was sharing that we had a meeting last night, and she was sharing last night about um, the passion that she had when she first got saved and when they first came out here and when, how she used to have the youth over her house all the time, and they would go, go to the city, and they would have sleepovers, and they, she would do all these things, and she was excited because and, and, she had a passion for it. And that's a good thing. And there's many people out there that can tes testify that they're around today. They're still serving God today and all these different things because of the passion that she had for them. Because God put a passion in her life for young people. And a lot of those young people are still around today serving God, pastors, pastors' wives, all because Pastor Josie had a passion for young people. Passion is good. Desires are good. You see, God can always use the things that the devil used for bad. He can always use it for good. He can always use it for his honor and for his glory. But you see, we just have to flesh out all that ungodly stuff, all that junk, all that stuff that's in our heads. I mean, we get filled up with a lot of stuff in our heads. You were, you're out in the world all day long, you get filled up with a lot of stuff. But we got to replace it. As we pull it out, I think I was sharing at the home the other day, that when we begin to pull all this stuff out of us, all this stuff from the world, all this stuff that doesn't belong in us, we got to replace it with something. We got to put something else back in there. Because if you don't put anything back in there, what happens? All that other stuff begins to come right back in. And then you end up with more than you, what you started with in, in the first place. So we need to fill up with, with God's word. We need to fill up with his Holy Spirit. Because when you begin to do that, you begin to take all that stuff out, and you begin to fill it up with his word, you begin to fill it up with his spirit, our desires begin to change. Our desires begin to change. See, we'll no longer desire those things that cause conflict and division within our lives and our relationships or even here in the church. So now we know the source. Now we know what causes conflict, right? It's our desires. It's those things that we want to do. It's us. Basically, that's what he's saying. He's saying we're the ones that cause conflict. It's all about us. But see, in verses 7 and 10, James tells us what the solution is. Because how do you know that it's always good to know what the problem is, but if you know what the problem is, it's even better if you know what the solution is. And James here tells us what the solution is. And he tells us in verses 7 through 10. And he says, he says, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. And humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Anybody need to be lifted up here tonight? So he says we have to submit. We need to resist, 
We need to come near. We need to wash. We need to purify. We need to grieve, mourn, wail, change, uh-oh, and humble ourselves. Now, a lot of us for years, we've been resisting God. You see, now we've got to resist the devil. We've been giving in to sin, and now we've got to submit to God. Our soul has been contaminated by sin, but now we've got to wash it in the word. That's what reading God's word, it washes your mind. It's kind of like a brainwash. Sometimes some of our, I mean, oh, I know my brain. I need to get one of those rags. You ever see those get those rags? Between the ears, I need to do that sometimes. We've been proud, but now we need to humble ourselves before God. You see, now to submit to God doesn't mean that we need to surrender just certain parts of our lives. Because I know when I first came to the Lord and I got saved in the, in the men's home, um, I didn't have a choice, but I had to surrender everything, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Right? We got to give everything because they mean everything. They, they pat you down, right? They go through all your stuff. So you got to surrender everything when you go to the home. But when you get saved, God isn't saying, you know what? I just want you to, you know, I just want you to surrender some of these things. You know, well, you can still keep that stuff. That's not what God does. See, when we come to God and we submit ourselves to him, we got to give him everything. Like that song that we sing, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give you my everything. Right? You guys know what song I'm talking about? I give you my being. I'm not going to sing because you guys will probably run out of this place. I give you my all in all. And then the part that really t- hits me is I give you my favorite thing. And that's what God asks from us. He says, I want you to give me your favorite thing. I want you to give me the thing that means more than anything else in your life. And a lot of the times it's, it's our pride. Amen? You see, a relationship with God is an all or nothing thing. It's all or nothing when it comes to God. God doesn't want just a part of us. God just says, just, don't just give me your hand, you know, don't give me your, 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 this gift, or don't give me that ability. I want your whole life. I want your everything. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking about giving him my everything for me. What does that mean? Well, I know where I came from. I remember where I was at when God changed my life. I remember how messed up I was. I remember how beat up I was. I remember how bad shape my family was in when God saved me. I remember all that. I still remember all that. And sometimes it gives me nightmares thinking about how messed up I was. And then, you know, I wake up in the morning and I have joy because I know where I'm at today. But I say that to say this, is that it's all or nothing for God. And I was like, okay, well, what does all or nothing for God mean for me? There was a point in my life where I like to sit and this doesn't mean anything against anybody who likes to sit in the middle of the church. I used to like to sit right in the middle. You know, I had people on this side, people on that side, people in front of me, people in back of me. So I didn't really stand out. And that's where I like to sit. Because I used to, I remember sitting there, Pastor Steve would be preaching, he'd be preaching his heart out, and I'd be falling asleep. I'd be nodding out. You know, I'd been up for a couple weeks or whatever, and I'd be falling asleep. And my wife would always nudge me, come on, wake up. And I'm like, well, I'm not sleeping. But I remember just coming and coming. I remember that. And I was like, okay. And then I see where I'm at today. I say, it's all or nothing. Because I, I remember where I was at. I mean, I could be a lot of different places right now. I could still be sitting in the middle. Just coming on Sunday. You know, maybe once in a while on Wednesday. You know. But I know that for me, it's all or nothing. If I want my life to be changed... If I want to be able to continue to, you know, be able to have the key to my in-laws' house, you know, it's all or nothing. 
I can't go back. I can't go back. And this is all of our stories. I believe this is all of our stories. Because there's, no, there's nowhere to go back to. There's nothing back there for us. There's nothing back there for you. There's nothing back there for me. It's all or nothing. God wants all of me. He wants my favorite thing. He wants your favorite thing tonight. And I don't know what your favorite thing is tonight, but God wants it. But what is it that stands in the way of giving, us our, giving God our all? What is it that stands in the way of us giving God all or nothing? And I'm sure it's probably the same thing that it is for me. And I said it a second ago. What it is that stands in the way of our total submission to Christ? What is it? Well, I'm glad you asked. When verse 6 says it plain and simple, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's what it is that keeps us from giving God all or nothing. It's our pride. You see, before we decided to come to Christ, it was all about us, right? It was all about me, all about what I wanted to do, all about what's good for me, all about what, you know, what I could get. But see, once we give up our pride, God gives us the grace to become a new person. Now, I don't know about you, but I know for me, it takes a lot of grace for me to become a new person because I was messed up, and, I, and I'm still messed up. God's still giving me grace, you know. Uh, but once we give our pride to God, God gives us grace to become that new person that he's called us to be. Now, see, the solution is a twofold action. One, you have to resist the devil, and then you have to submit to God. You can't submit to God and not resist the devil, right? You can't do it. You have to resist the devil, and then you can submit to God. See, when you resist the devil... He will flee from you. And when you submit to God, he will draw near to you. You see the twofold there? One is running away from you, the devil, and the other is running towards you. It's God. Resist the devil and then submit to God. One's running from you. Hopefully it's the devil. And the other one is running to you. It's God. You see, it won't be easy at first. I know we always say it all the time that serving God is not always easy. It's not always easy, but it's worth it. God will give you the power to overcome the things that used to control us. God will give us that power. All you got to do is ask him. Every morning, every morning you got to get up. And I know today, for some reason, usually my, my Wednesdays are usually messed up at work. It just, that's just the way it is. But this morning when I got up and I prayed and, you know, I was just asking God, you know what, God, today I, it's got to be all about you. You know, it's got to be all about you because, you know what, I'm messed up today. I'm already in a bad mood. I already know the things that are going to happen at work today. You know, it's got to be all about you. And for some reason, I had an awesome day. I mean, I was tired. I was beat. But I had an awesome day. Every, it seems like everything went my way today. It was weird. It was like usually on Wednesdays, doing what I'm doing, it's, it, there's so many things that happen that go wrong, and I expect it to happen. And it, it didn't happen today. It's like every, I was, I'm doing my stuff, and... And I'm waiting for the things to fall apart and begin to, you know, mess my day up, and they're not happening. And I was like, wow, God, you're awesome, you know. All because I woke up and said, you know what, it's all about you today, God. It ain't about me because I can't do nothing. It has to be you. Everything has to be you. He gives you the power. God gives you the power, but you just got to ask him, God, I need you. Give me some power today because I don't have any power. I'm not a power ranger. Amen. If I was, I'd be the green power ranger, bro. If I had to pick a Power Ranger, I'd be the green one. <laughs> Hallelujah. I like the Power Rangers. 
Praise the Lord. Well, tonight, I just wanted to share a little bit of that. I mean, God, God wants us to submit to him. God wants to draw near to us. He just doesn't want to be a, a, a like, like, like they call it, a, a, he doesn't want to be like a, a ruler that just, you know, pounds on us and says, you got to do this and you got to do that. And you got to do this and you got to do that or I'm going to smite you. You know, we hear about, we hear a lot of people talk about God like that. You know, oh, God is just a vengeful God. And that's not God. God is not a vengeful God. God is not this mysterious thing that has to be, you know, figured out and, and solved like a mystery. God is not a mystery. God is not a mystery. That's what the Bible's for. You want to know what, who God is and what God is about? All you got to do is read the Bible. He's not a mystery. He doesn't try to hide himself. God wants to draw near to us. But the only way he can draw near to us is if we begin to resist the devil and begin to kick him to the curb and say, uh-uh, like that song we say, devil, you ain't wanted around here no more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Devil, you ain't wanted around here no more. Yeah. You got to tell him that. And then we begin to draw near to God, and God begins to come in and say, okay, that's what I'm talking about. And I want to share a story with you as I close. I can get some help on the piano tonight. <coughs> I want to tell you a story of how wild horses were tamed long ago in the Old West. And the story goes like this. That they would get a little burrow, and they would be tied to a wild steed. And that wild steed would be bucking and, and raging, and the two would be turned loose like Laurel and Hardy, Right? They'd be turned loose like Laurel and Hardy to proceed out into the desert range. And they would be seen disappearing over the horizon. The great steed dragging that little burrow. Dragging them along and throwing them about like a bag of cream puffs. And they might be gone for days. But eventually, they would come back. The little burrow would be seen first. Trotting back across the horizon. Leading the submissive steed in tow. But see, somewhere out there on the rim of the world, the steed would become exhausted from trying to get rid of the little burrow. And at that moment, the burrow would take control, and he would become the master, and he would become the leader in that steed's life. And it's the same thing with us. When we give our lives to Christ, some of us are bucking and are kicking because we have these passions in us. We have these desires in us that God wants to get out buck and we kick because we're so used to them because they're a part of us. But see, when we truly surrender our life and we humble ourselves to Christ, He brings fulfillment in our lives. And He brings fulfillment that we could have never, ever, ever imagined before. So tonight, if you just go ahead and bow your heads. Just begin to think of that little that little burrow and that steed. Just begin to think how your life is. And all those desires that hold us back, all those desires that keep us from doing what God wants us to do, all those things that we get so accustomed to, we've been so accustomed to for years and years, we just can't even imagine ourselves without them anymore. I know that was hard for me. We get, so used, we get so used to ourselves and we can't even imagine ourselves without some of these things in our lives. 
we say to ourselves, well, what kind of person am I going to be if I, if I don't do that, if, I, if I'm not like that anymore? Maybe my life's going to be boring if I don't do that. What am I going to do? This is all I know. I'm here to tell you tonight that when we submit ourselves to Christ, He takes care of us. He looks out for us. He meets each and every one of our needs. He helps us resist the devil. He gives us His word. He gives us a weapon. God doesn't send us into battle without a weapon. He gives us all kinds of weapons. He gives us prayer. He gives us His word. He gives us the Holy Spirit we're able to go out and wage war against the enemy so that as the, that enemy is fleeing from us we're able to give chase we're able to beat him down as he runs away so that he doesn't come back and tonight if this message spoke to you in any way you say you know what brother Toby that's me you know I, I need to I need to start resisting him I need to start resisting that devil because he's on me Every day when I wake up, he's on me. I need to resist him. I need some power that you were talking. I need that power that you were talking about. I need God to come and, and help me get that devil to flee, get him to run, get him to take off. I'm tired. I can't do this anymore on my own. I need to know how to submit to God. And if that's you, then the altar is open tonight. You can come and, and ask God to give you some power tonight.